You may be here this morning, and you didn't come prepared to celebrate. Maybe something has overclouded your way, and uh, you don't feel quite as excited as Catherine and her crew, because they were here yesterday practicing, and again this morning, and I told her that I could hear the music outside the building. Uh, I don't know that you do that every Sunday, but as I was walking through the parking lot, I could hear the drums beating and the, the, the joyful noise coming. Uh, I use that noise in a reverent way, right? The Bible does speak of it. But I thought I'd share with you as I start off this morning, and we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to be, if you have your Bibles, it would be helpful if you open there, because we're going to be trucking through a little bit. God's called us to celebrate, and there's no question about that. And he wants us to join him in what he's doing so that we can celebrate with him when it's all done. So there's, there's a couple of purposes here. But if you have come kind of with mixed feelings about it, I want to share just a little brief thing from, about myself. Um, I hope I can do it in a, a celebrative way. <laughs> Uh, yesterday, as I mentioned a couple weeks back, my mom hasn't been well, and she has uh, been in and out of hospital. And the last time I saw her, uh, we were celebrating her birthday a little earlier, and she, I said to her, well, you know, the day before her birthday, she says, how, how, how's it going to be? And she says, well, I've said to the Lord, when I go to bed tonight, I'm going to say, Lord, if you want me to be 92, wake me up in the morning. And I thought, that, that's a cool way to live. <laughs> I kind of like that lady. Well, I, I got a call from my sister yesterday, uh, probably in mid-afternoon or late afternoon after I got home, that my mom was rushed to the hospital for the third time and that she probably wouldn't make the night. And so I uh, talked to my sister a couple of times, and I thought to myself, hmm, well, first of all, my, my, my mother's a believer. She's looking forward to going to see God. So if she goes last night, it's going to be hallelujah in heaven for her. You know, it's going to be a great morning. If she doesn't, she's going to be hanging around still. <laughs> and that's really the way she is. So I phoned this morning because she was out of it. The vital signs were really, really poor yesterday. And I said to my sister, well, I'll phone you. Uh, in the morning at the hospital and see how she's doing. Believing, actually, that she probably would go in the night while she was alive in the morning. <laughs> so I talked to my sister at 7.30 this morning. I came to the church, and I was um, praying for my mother and my sister that God would, you know, do what he wants to do so that we can celebrate today. And as I, I phoned her, and I couldn't get my sister right away, and then I phoned her again, and I got her. She's in the hospital. And as we were talking, my sister has cared for her for a number of years, so it's really tough for my sister. Um, I could hear some voices, and I said to my sister, says, is that mom talking? And she says, you know, it is. And she had woken up for the first time earlier, and she, her first words to my sister were, I'd like coffee and breakfast. <laughs> You know, I, I said to you that when I die, I don't want to be sucking the green stuff from a straw in a hospital. I want something I enjoy eating. Good for my mother. 
She's doing the same thing. She's leading the way. She said, I want coffee. And not the hospital coffee either. She wants good coffee. So my sister phoned her friend that lives in, she's up in Burns Lake on a, on a trip, by the way. Really unusual. Phones her friend and says, get over here with a really good cup of coffee. Mom may only be able to drink that and then be gone. And so, <laughs> so, I talked to her as she was sipping on the coffee, and my sister said, it's amazing, she has absolutely brightened up for a moment, which oftentimes people do before they go. And uh, so she put me on the phone to her, and my prayer this morning was that I'd be able to talk to her before she goes, because I knew that probably the last time I was home to come up here, I probably wouldn't see her again. And so I, I said to her, hey, mom. How's it going? She said, good. Well, it's not good. She's in the ICU. <laughs> but that's my mother, you know. And I said, how do you feel? Not so good, she said, but I'm okay. And I said, uh, so what's up? Uh, how are things? And she started talking to me. I said, Mom, she, once she figured out who it was talking to her. So she put me on speakerphone so everybody else in the room was hearing what I had to say. Uh, <laughs> I told her that I loved her, and she told me that she loved me. And we shared a couple of real personal thoughts. And I said, Mom, I've got to preach this morning. And she says, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, it's Sunday. She says, I wonder if I can catch a message on TV this morning. And I said, I don't think so, Mom. You're in ICU. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. I'll probably miss that out. So she, she said, oh, that's great. You, you preach this morning. And if God wants to, we'll talk again, you know. And that was the, that was the close of it. And I celebrated because God had given me an opportunity to talk to my mother again, which I hadn't thought I would get. So I come to you with joy and thankfulness to God that if my mother should go today, um, I had a chance to talk to her again. And if she goes, like she said before, said, most of my family are already in heaven. She says, I've got no reason to hang around here. She said, I want to get up there and see all my rest of my family. They're all waiting for me. She actually thinks that. I'm not so sure that that's the way <laughs> it works, but I'm glad she thinks that way. You know, she's, she's thinking that way. So I, I thought I'd get that forward. Um, every one of us have a reason to celebrate if you know God this morning. The text says uh, in one portion, I'm going to talk from... Nehemiah 1 to 12. Ooh, that sounds like a long stretch. Uh, in chapter 8, and, and if you take nothing else from this morning that, of what I've said, take what God says in chapter 8. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Think about that. Think about that. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. From chapter 1 through to chapter 6, he, Nehemiah brings together vision and mission, and he sees them as God's eyes, and he takes them as from God, because from chapter 1 to chapter 6, and I'm not going to look at specific verses there, other than the first, very first verse in chapter 1, <clears throat> which starts it all off, Nehemiah had a mission, and he had a vision to build the walls of Jerusalem. He is in Babylon. He is in captivity with the rest, but he's in the king's court, and he is a servant to the king, 
and uh, the king uh, is not a believer. He's, he, he, he brought all of these people from Jerusalem, from Israel, destroyed the walls. They had, they had decimated the city, and Nehemiah had heard about it, serving in the king's court far away in Babylon, in captivity. And it says in verse 4, when I heard these things, well, verse 3, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. That was the message he got. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates have been burned with fire. See, the gates were made of wood. To understand what Nehemiah went through, he was losing the last piece of visible evidence of God on earth. Jerusalem was the golden city for him. It was the city most precious of all. It was the city of God. (laughs) It was the place where people worshipped God and where God came down and touched those people. And he could not bear to think, and he didn't have a cell phone, so nobody, <laughs> nobody sent him a picture from Jerusalem. He couldn't bear to think <coughs> of the city that he left, <coughs> all of the walls destroyed, all of the gates burned. <coughs> Every gate had a significance, a tremendous significance. It was decimated. And then it says in verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. You know, there is a time to cry. <laughs> But I'll I'll tell you something, folks. Don't be crying about things here. Shed your tears about the things of God, not your things, things of God. And you'll learn to understand what Nehemiah went through. So in that time, and it says for some days, (laughs) it went on for a while, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then he goes on to talk about how he prayed. And it's recorded there from verse 4 on. Um, Nehemiah could not afford to be unhappy in the king's court. Did you know that? If you were a king's servant, you had to keep a smile on your face even though you didn't feel like it. Because if you frowned and it discouraged the king, you were done. (laughs) You were gone. So in the midst of this pain, he had still had to serve the king, and he did it with joy. Uh, but he went before the Lord in prayer, and the Lord gave him a vision to build the wall and to restore the worship of God in Jerusalem. Unthinkable, unthinkable. It was impossible to do without God's help. And I would hope that someplace in your life this morning, there is something that is impossible to do without God's help. Because if you don't have that, you don't have the faith that Nehemiah demonstrated or that we ought to have. There needs to be something in your life all the time that you cannot do, that God wants you to do, without, and you cannot do without his help. And uh, that's what Nehemiah had. <clears throat> so we move away from <clears throat> that tough time 
And he goes before the king. He asks for permission from, Jews, from uh, chapter 1 to chapter 6 about getting there and uh, doing it. The king gives him permission, gives him letters. He, he uh, gathers together his crew, and uh, he, he uses the term, and in verse 2, verse 18, it says, I also told him about the gracious hand of God upon me and the, that the king had said to me, let us start building. They... they he had in himself, in his own heart, uh, the joy of seeing the walls built before they were built, <laughs> of seeing the celebration before it was, before it took place. And I'll tell you something: if you, if the joy of the Lord is your strength this morning, you will have a peace in your heart that allows you to see stuff that isn't there yet, things that you want to see done, things that God wants to bring. You'll be able to see some of that. If the joy of the Lord indeed is your strength. And it's not saying that your joy is your strength. It's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. You don't need to have your own fabrication of joy. You don't have to have fun all the time. <laughs> it's the joy of the Lord that's your strength. Bring that into your life. And uh, Nehemiah had that kind of joy in his heart. And so he moves forward. <clears throat> and uh, in, uh, in chapters 1 to 6... That's what takes place. He moves to Jerusalem. He gets all of the permission in line. He gets ready to build. He gets the material. He gets the people. He assigns pieces of the wall. He works on the doors. And he has this whole gang. And they're going to work day and night for 52 days. Chapter 6 and verse 15. And the Lord protects them and allows the walls to be built. So the walls are built the city is reestablished. The gates are to be hung. The next thing he does in chapter 7 is he brings back the people. The people, for the first time, heard that they were going to go home. <laughs> you see, home for them was Jerusalem. Home for us is heaven. That's where home is. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, you don't need to be hanging on to anything here. Home is heaven. And, and uh, bless the heart of my mother, if she gets to go home today, if she gets to go home right now, it'll be the greatest day of her life. And we'll celebrate that sometime when I get back. But uh, that, that's true. So Jerusalem was home. And he brings the people in chapter 7, and uh, he, in verse 5, he, he says this. He, he says in verse 5, my God put into my heart to assemble the people. So God brings us back to worship. And I guess if we were to put it in uh, to our day, what God's doing here this morning is bringing us to worship Him. That's what He's doing. He's bringing, he's bringing us back to worship. He's bringing us back to the songs that He wants us to sing. And you know what? The one who had more fun in this whole process of building the walls and establishing Jerusalem was God Himself. God absolutely enjoyed the journey. He watched and he prepared and he worked. And the one who's having the most joy this morning is God himself, not us. So if we have joy, we only have a little peace. God has the, has the real joy. So he, he brings them home. So the people are going, on, going home. And this is something they hadn't done for years. And it says in chapter 7 that Nehemiah was able to assemble about 50,000 people. No small crowd. Uh, that's tw almost twice as big as this town. 
all the people in this town. He moves them from captivity and from remnants, and they come back to Jerusalem. That was not an easy task. That was a miracle in itself. From the old towns and the old, and the old lands where they were to occupy, and Jerusalem was to be occupied. Verse 66 of that verse tells you that. Chapter 8, he, he moves forward, and this is a progressive move. This is the order which God wanted. First, bring the people back. Build the walls, bring the people back. Then he says, bring out the Bible, bring out the Word of God. So if you're coming back to worship God and celebrate Him truly, you have to come back to the place where you meet Him. (laughs) You have to come back to the place where God meets you. And you got to get yourself there, and then you got to get the Word of God out. And Nehemiah brings back the Word of God, and that's chapter 8. And I, again, won't take too much of your time there, but the joy starts to flow. There's a secret to this. When you open the Word of God and listen to what God has to say, that's when the joy of the Lord begins to flow. It says here, In chapter 8, Nehemiah says, Ezra in verse 3 says, Ezra opened the book, he was a scribe, and he began to read. They had not heard the word of the Lord since they had gone into captivity. And they were hearing God's word for the first time. And and it says there in verse, they weren't quiet about it, verse 6, as he read, the people lifted up their hands and responded, Amen. They shouted. They shouted. This was a joyous time. And then in verse 10, it says, he went ahead and he spoke. He said, go and enjoy. They were, when, they read, when he read the word of God, they started to weep. That's what it says. And, and Nehemiah says, stop, stop weeping. He said, go and enjoy, verse 10. Choice food, sweet drinks, send some of it to those who have prepared nothing, and this day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Sends them with joy. And that goes on down through that same chapter. They begin to build, it says, booths in Jerusalem. They start to prepare the city for the celebration. And then you come to chapter 9, and in chapter 9, it's the next step. Hear the word of the Lord, and he said, confess your sin. Get right with God. (laughs) And confession of sin is just as much a part of the celebration as any other piece. This is a quiet moment in the celebration when there's a bit of a lull. But Israel begins to confess their sin in chapter 9. And it says here with fasting and prayer and sackcloth, the custom that they used, having dust on their heads, that is how they gave visible evidence that they, in fact, were in confession of sin. And so they confessed their sin. And that goes through. There's a prayer there in, verse, in chapter 9 that's beautiful. <clears throat> Again, I won't take the time to read it all. But it's amazing that God sends them forth and, and speaks to them from his word, and their automatic response is to get to deal with their sin. And I'd say that's true even today for us, that we need to do the same. Then he, he moves from confession of sin, and he moves into uh, chapter 10, and the people agree again to obey God's word. <clears throat> 
there is something that should go on with us as God calls us to celebrate. We, we, we need to do what God wants us to do. We need to have that vision that God has for us. We need to come and hear His Word. We need to read His Word for ourselves. We need to deal with the sin of our lives. We all are sinners saved by grace, you know. <laughs> we need to confess afresh each day our sin. And then He says... We need to dedicate ourselves. And what the people of God did in chapter 10 was rededicate themselves to God. There's nothing wrong with rededication, you know. God likes it, actually. God likes it when we come to him and dedicate ourselves, having confessed our sin and uh, realized what he wants. Then in, in, in Nehemiah chapter 11, and you'll see what he does there, Nehemiah takes people, he calls all the leaders of Israel to come and be in Jerusalem, and then he takes, well, I, I don't want to call it the lottery, but he does kind of a lotto thing. <laughs> One out of every ten people get to live in Jerusalem. So he, he says, all right, all 50,000 can't live in this little city. He says, so one out of every 10 gets to live here. And I don't know what process they used. I'm, I'm just guessing. <clears throat> but uh, that is in chapter 11 and verse 1 and 2. And so here you have a great crowd, all the leaders of the people, all the leaders of the tribes, uh, one out of ten chosen, and they begin to populate the city. So they are called to inhabit the city. Now he's ready. So you come into chapter 12, and dedication day comes. Dedication for us, dedication to God of the place in which they were in. That's what he's saying. And God loves this. He loves it when people get right with him. He loves it when people are willing to follow his calling. He loves it when people get ready to celebrate. He loves a party more than anybody else on the face of the earth. If you think that things are quiet in heaven, you're really mistaken. <laughs> there is a lot of noise in heaven because people are celebrating God. If you want to read Revelation, go ahead. Celebrating God day and night. They're worshiping the, uh, the Lord day and night there. And so it is a place to look forward to going to. Here he comes. He's all ready for celebration. He's got the people in place. They even built, rebuilt their little places. They went out and got wood, and they rebuilt little places, booths to, to inhabit. So the expression here now is that of dedication. And the word for the translation of dedication really is pure joy. That's what it is. So when we talk about dedication, we're not talking about a solemn, um, sanctimonious service. We're talking about the outbreak of the joy of the Lord in the hearts of his people. That's what we're talking about. And so here we are, and uh, it begins down in this process of, of gathering the things. So in chapter 12, and beginning from verse 27 down to verse 31, <clears throat> this is where it really happens. First of all, they were to celebrate joyfully with thanksgiving. Everyone was to have one single theme on their heart, and that was thanksgiving. They were to have shoved aside everything else. They were, they would, were to have confessed their sin, so there's nothing on their heart that weighs heavy. Their heart is clear. Their heart is pure. The people are ready, and they're to celebrate, and it's a thanksgiving of joyful thanksgiving, songs of thanksgiving, and music was that at the heart of it, and that's why we've asked the worship team to do a, a good chunk of music in a few minutes with us, because music was at the heart of it. If you were here a few Sundays ago, I mentioned 
mentioned to you, you needed a new song. <laughs> if you haven't got that new song in your heart, you need to get that, and, and we can help you with that. But you need a song in your heart, you need to be able to sing where you are, and in your place, no matter what your circumstances are, hear these people that come out of the dusty trails of being in bondage, to being free for the first time, to worship God for the first time in years. <laughs> they were worshiping God for the first time again. And this is how Jeremiah, or Nehemiah describes it from chapter 12, verse 27 to 31. First of all, the joys of, the joys of thanksgiving. I'll read a couple of the verses. There's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of listing of names and all that sort of thing. But just listen to what he says about the things he put in place. In verse 27, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out. The Levites were all the, the religious leaders, all the, the priestly tribe, and they were the ones given the task to lead in worship, sort of like the worship band and myself here this morning. And it said, out of there, they, were to li they, were, they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully. I, I, you know, for Old Testament scripture, it's, it, it's awesome to see the amount of times God mentions joy. Uh, you know, sometimes when I think of Moses, I don't think of a guy who, who's really living it up over there with his songs. I think of a guy who struggles with life. And I think of Jonah, and I think of Noah, and all these other fellows. I don't see that, but, but it was. It was there. Nehemiah brings it out. He says, to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music. Now, he chose the quiet instruments, cymbals. Harps, lyres, whatever else could make noise. <laughs> they had them. And, and he even refers to, later in the chapter, he refers to instruments that David brought into being. <laughs> David loved worship music, and he loved the instruments. He brought them in to the place of worship of God. And so the, the joy is there. He says, use the loudest instruments. There they are. And then in verse 20, he says, 28, he says, bring in the singers from far away. And they had great music teams. God's people in the Old Testament love song, just love song. We sang some of the Old Testament scriptures this morning already. And, and they had these music teams, and, and they had singers that were, that's all they did was sing to God. That was their job. So, uh, uh, you know, that, that brings kind of a different context here. And uh, so he asked them to bring in the singers, and they come in from far and wide. He said, get the priests ready, in verse 35, to play the trumpets. So if you thought it was quiet up till now, wait till the trumpet corps comes. <laughs> if we brought three trumpets into this building this morning, it would blow you out. <laughs> it would blow you. you. You would say, some of you guys say, Dan, I don't know what you did here to this church, but this is awful. I, I can hardly stand my hearing aid on, or I can hardly stand. Listen, it's so loud. They wanted it loud, and there's a reason for that. Verse 26 says that they got every min, um, instrument they could, and they were to bring it. Not only just what they wanted, but they brought everything they could find in verse 36. In 31 and 38, he talks about two choirs, and they were large ones, he says, and their songs were, were to be songs of thanksgiving. And what they did with those choirs, <clears throat> they sent the people with the instruments, they sent the people who were the spiritual leaders of the, of the people of God in, in a parade, and they put them up on the wall, and they walked them around the wall. 
And it says in Scripture that one choir, two choirs, because one went one way and the other went the other way. And they all had instruments interspersed. They all had singers interspersed and the choirs themselves who were to lead in the song of thanksgiving. And so now you have a city with brand new walls, gates built, and they all, all have been properly dedicated to the Lord prior to that time. Nehemiah is standing there. Ezra standing there holding the word of God. And Nehemiah is coming to the height of his ministry. <laughs> this is the moment he's lived and died for. God is going to celebrate with his people in this place called Jerusalem with these brand new walls, and they're all standing around. The walls were covered on the top with people, God's people, and they were to sing a song of thanksgiving, and they were to play a song of thanksgiving, and they were to celebrate God. And that's exactly what happened. The choirs began to sing. The instruments began to play. And in Jerusalem, for the first time after so many years, the noise of worship of the everlasting God was brought back. It was like heaven itself on earth. I th if, if you wonder what I'm thinking... I'm thinking, I wished I could have been there. <laughs> have you ever wished you could have been there sometime when you read about stuff? I wished I could have seen that. I wished I could have been a part of that. This is one of those places where I wished I could have been there. E even though I can't sing, they wouldn't have had me on the wall. Uh, even if I was just holding a piece of whatever up so it wouldn't fall down as the, the, uh, the song reverberated. The scripture is so emphatic about it. It says that as they sang, and I'll look at the last part, it says in verse, um, in verse 40, the two choirs gave thanks, and then they, they, they sang. And then it says there that they took their places in the house of God. And I did some thinking about that. A little later, it says in verse 43, and on that day, they offered great sacrifices. That's why we're going to take up the offering in a minute. <laughs> they offered great sacrifices. It was a part of worship, you know. <laughs> Rejoicing because God had given them great joy. Not just joy, great joy. And it says the women and the children also rejoiced. And the sound of the rejoicing in Jerusalem could be he heard far away. There's nothing more beautiful for God than to hear his people sing the worship of him in song. And for the people outside this building to be able to hear it. Don't ever think that God intended song to be kept for you. <laughs> That's why worship is not about you and your choices. It's about God. It's about celebrating Him. Would to God this morning that Whitehorse, the city, would know that his, God has His people. And that in this place we are singing for Him. And would to God that somebody out there would hear the song and be drawn to God himself because of it. When you truly worship God, that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. The, the song doesn't stop. It goes on and on and on. And I love what, what Nehemiah says. And I wonder if we identify with this. He says there, 
in verse 40, he said, the two choirs gave thanks, they sang. Then it says this, they took their places in the house of God. And then he says three words that I love. He said, and so did I. So did I. There's a place in the house of God for every one of us here this morning. Will you take your place? <laughs> Are you going to just stand back and wonder what's going on? <laughs> Will you take your place? And we've intentionally decided to finish our service with worship, extended worship, so that it gives you an opportunity to take your place and sing with the saints down here so that God can rejoice up there with what he sees and what he hears. May your song be that sweet this morning. If you have a voice like mine, sing, even if your neighbor looks at you kind of odd. Sing anyhow, because worship is going to make it happen. Let's pray. I'll ask the men to come and uh, receive the offering as the worship team comes up. So worship team, come. Fellows taking up the offering, please come forward now, and I'll pray as they come. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can celebrate. Thank you for the example from Nehemiah. We love him. We love what he says because it was so true. We wish we could have been there, but we are here today. Help us to take our place as we worship. As we worship you in giving of an offering, as we worship you in song, may everyone that goes from this place have taken their place today in your family and in this place. May they know you as Lord and, and as God, and, as, and may they experience the power of an everlasting God today in Jesus' name. Amen.